So I actually tracked my job search and I had a column that was, you know, whether I had a referral or I knew somebody before. And um, whenever I knew somebody before, you know, even if it was a stranger that I just sent a message to on LinkedIn, I had, you know, a much higher response rate. You're listening to Business Edge, the podcast for professionals looking to excel in the workforce. In each episode, our guests take a deep dive into their personal and professional experiences to give you an edge in the marketplace. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Kappa Psi Professional Business Fraternity. Welcome back, Business Edge listeners. We are live in Miami at the 61st convention. It's Chrissy Vasquez here with Nicole Klemp. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, Chrissy. How are you today? Good. We went on a walk this morning with some brothers, and it was pretty humid first thing, and then we got caught in a rainstorm, so glad to be back inside where it's a little bit cooler. This morning with us, we have Tyler Worland, and Nicole, why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, we're so excited to have Tyler with us today. Tyler is an alum of the University of Texas's Xi Omicron chapter of Alpha Kappa Psi and an instructional designer at Southwest Airlines. He's a people enthusiast with the desire to empower individuals through carefully designed curriculum and versatile training methods. He enjoys exploring data to drive meaningful insights that tell stories and solve problems. Thanks for being with us today, Tyler. Yeah, thank y'all so much for having me. So excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to chat with you. So let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about instructional design and what you do at Southwest Airlines. Sure, so to simply put it, uh, instructional design, the way that I see it, it is the process of creating meaningful and impactful learning experiences. And at Southwest, so what I do, it's uh, pretty unique uh, to what I've done in, in the past, but in, in uh, the most plain way I could put it, I help train pilots. And usually when I tell my friends that, it's like, oh my gosh, how, how is that? even possible how is that a thing because I'm not a pilot myself but how that is done is I work closely with subject matter experts which are all pilots from Southwest Airlines and together we really uh, design build uh, develop and implement annual pilot training programs oh that's awesome so can you give me a couple examples of what the content specifically would be I assume it's not how to use the instruments or those type of things (laughs) it's more what kind of things are in it? Sure. So coming in, I know I really wanted to be a part of simulation training. So mm. at Southwest in our training center, we have, they look like alien pods there uh, where we have the full flight simulators. And so I work on a team that does continued qualification. So every year, every single pilot will go through this training program. And um, I support an event called the Maneuvers Observation and Maneuvers Training and where pilots practice different maneuvers that they often don't see when they're out flying the line. Mm. And so that's the, the main project that I support at Southwest. Interesting. So are you in Dallas? Dallas-based, yeah. Okay. So I interned for Southwest in college oh, um, at Phoenix. And number, at the time, they were the number one hub for, for Southwest. Yeah. And I was in the marketing department. And just a quick funny story, they were super tight on their budget and they use their resources to the nth degree. So we used to print on the back of things, and there was one time where we needed fresh paper, and so they (laughs) sent the intern over to the people department to steal (laughs) a ream of paper so we could do our work. So we got to go to the headquarters once. It was a really fun experience. And I have a couple friends that work there, and it just seems like there's an amazing culture. So can you talk a little bit about the culture at Southwest and um, what makes it different from other airlines, possibly, or other companies? Sure. 
Yeah, sure. So uh, Southwest was always my my dream company. I think I was attracted that to the fact that it's so people centric. Mm-hmm. And even just take the pandemic for example, they never laid off an employee. And so coming in, wow. you know, having that peace of mind of job security is is amazing. And now being in the organization, I think what I have valued most is the transparency and even just the accessibility of leaders. You know, they there's still titles, but you could talk to anybody. So my role is 50-50, so I spend a lot of time in the office still. And I see, you know, all my leaders from my, my senior manager to my directors, and we all know each other by name. Everybody's really friendly, and I think that just speaks to the environment that Southwest cultivates. I've even met the CEO already twice. Nice. Um, one time getting off of a flight and was just super friendly and nice and just that um, just how kind everybody is I think speaks to just what the culture is out southwest and what it's all about yeah absolutely and they were calling their HR department people department Mm -hmm. long before it was popular from other companies and you mentioned how accessible the leadership is I got to meet her Kelly, oh, that's amazing. when we were at oh, the, I'm jealous. yeah, and he accepted my LinkedIn request, which <laughs> shocked me. And so I'd always get people being like, "Hey, can you introduce me to him?" I'm like, yeah. "No, I sure can't." But um, not long before he passed away, they did an, a dedication to him in one of the Southwest magazines, and his vision on leadership brought me to tears, literally, because he is like the epitome of leader, um, and just the things that he was sharing and how he treats people. So you described mm-hmm. that perfectly. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so speaking of the pandemic, of course, we have to talk about that in your industry. <laughs> what kind of changes have you seen just in the airline industry in general, just since the pandemic and now coming out post-pandemic? I know there's a lot of talk in the media about oh, flights yeah. being canceled and all of that. What have you seen you know, from your vantage point, and how does that impact how you kind of roll your programs out to help get staff and pilots and people up to speed on these changing times? Sure. So I think first just acknowledging kind of the the elephant in the room that Southwest as well as all all the airlines were were heavily impacted by the pandemic early on and um, because of that you know staffs were reduced at Southwest like I mentioned there wasn't any layoffs but there was an option for voluntary leave Mm. and early retirement and because of that it shortened the staff that Southwest had and um, because of that uh, nobody was expecting travel to bounce back as fast as it did and uh, because of that now there is um, still those staffing shortages, that's often what you see in the headlines and what we feel that on the backside of this, the team that I joined. So I joined in, in the middle of the pandemic. And so they were a team that I call like a skeleton crew at first before more of us joined on. And um, the work has never stopped because pilot training has to keep going, even though, you know, the airline never shut down during the pandemic. Travel stopped for a while, but it just kept on going. And so being a part of that, um, you kind of feel that urgency. I know once I joined, I was like, oh, wow, these these people, they've just been go, go, go since the pandemic. It's never stopped. And um, because of that, you know, I've been happy to be able to help contribute and relieve some of those individuals that, you know, have just been just nonstop since it's been and going and and that's just kind of uh the energy that that we have and um you know that push to just build our programs out and and um yeah yeah it's funny you know from our from for us us as you know patrons of the airline we only see the flight attendants Mm -hmm. and the pilots but there's people behind the scenes doing so much work Mm -hmm. that you don't even see so it's really interesting to hear yeah absolutely and we were talking with another guest who's a travel advisor and so we were just talking a little bit about how 
you have to have your patience pants these yep. days going to the airport and that being rude to the mm-hmm. airline staff is not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> yep. And so I imagine that they take quite a brunt during some of this. What's your best advice that you have maybe for some travelers of how to kind of navigate some of the changes in the airline industry in terms of booking and then also flight delays and changes of plans? Do you have any advice? Sure. Yeah, I see. I, I think, you know, leading into that patience and offering some grace, a lot of, you know, those on the front lines, they can't control, you know, the external factors. A lot of that is weather going back to the staffing. You know, we are short staff. Everybody is doing their absolute best and so really is my best advice is just being flexible with your plans having backup options you know not to plug southwest and (laughs) and their perks but you know you can change your flight on southwest and they've always had that flexible booking Mm -hmm. they just announced not too long ago that you ever cancel your credit never expires they're the first one in the industry to do it so really leaning into that flexibility because i think that's been the big lesson of travel in the pandemic is just being flexible and it, it will still take some time for you know the industry to fully recover and even before weather was always an issue i remember i would i'd hate going to chicago i love chicago but getting stuck in chicago was the worst and oftentimes yes. it was because of of weather yeah. so really leaning into that flexibility um is, is what i would say is the best advice that i could give Yes, been stuck in Chicago many times. Luckily, I'm, I'm only a three-hour drive away, so we usually would just hop in a car. <laughs> Chicago and Philly. Philly's the other airport uh, that it never fails. Yeah. Yep. I'm not getting in or out on time ever. <laughs> You've been listening to The Business Edge, brought to you by the Commonwealth Leadership Alliance and is sponsored by Madison. Now let's get back to the conversation. So for for our listeners who may not be super familiar with instructional design, can you talk a little bit about just generally high level what that is and and how someone, maybe a young professional interested in that kind of career, what can they expect and what kind of jobs would they get into with that? Sure. So I would say just, you know, taking a kind of a larger step back, just looking at it as an industry. So learning and development. Um, I think coming in, I'd always had a, had a dream to work in corporate training, and I didn't even know it was called learning and development. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's a big challenge. Like, hey, what is this even called? And so, you know, within that, uh, there is, you know, uh, facilitation and instructional design, which is kind of where I, I found myself stumbled upon. But um, it can mean different things in uh, different organizations, which makes it really, really challenging. But at the core of it, uh, especially just from instructional design, it's designing the program. So it is uh, building out the objectives and planning the content. And sometimes that leads into building, you know, the PowerPoints or the e-learnings. I still do some development in my role too, but as I mentioned, it can mean different things. So at, at my last role, uh, when I was at the Spurs doing learning and development, mm. um, we kind of called instructional design or something else. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't even have them there, but I still did instructional design in my role, um, but I did more facilitation in that role than I do now in my in my current one. But I'd really say that the best advice that I could give is to really network and be curious and just learning. So I, I know uh, something that one of my big takeaways from the pandemic is that anybody is accessible. You know, I love LinkedIn and I had connected with people from, you know, overseas in Europe and, and, and learning and development. And there's just people out there. And, you know, I think we've all been craving that social interaction. Mm-hmm. And 
and they they want to talk you know and so yep. i think you could learn from anybody anywhere in the world in any industry and i think that is the best way to learn because i think that's how i learned everything that i know about learning and development it's from people that i've networked with and, and mentors that i've met through different organizations that i've worked in myself yeah you've worked for some big brand names you know nba team and then southwest airlines what advice do you have for people? We're picking your brain today about advice, obviously. <laughs> uh, what advice do you have for people? How do you get noticed? Because I'm sure these big name companies have thousands of resumes coming in. What's your biggest tips for getting noticed for a big brand? Yeah, so I will lean back into LinkedIn and really building those connections and, and relationships. So I actually, in my last job hunt, I'm also a data nerd, as mentioned uh, <laughs> before. And so I actually tracked my job search and I had a column that was, you know, whether I had a referral or I knew somebody before. And um, whenever I knew somebody before, you know, even if it was a stranger that I just sent a message to on LinkedIn, I had, you know, a much higher response rate hearing back from. And so my role at Southwest, for example, I came across the job on just the, the LinkedIn feed and I messaged that hiring manager who is now my senior manager, who I absolutely love. She's the best. And I had sent her a message and she had responded and that's what started the, the conversation that led to ultimately this job. And uh, But I will say that's definitely not the only avenue. So my role with the Spurs was honestly a shot in the dark. And mm. before, if you knew me, all my other roles were through networking. Um, and this one was a shot in the dark and was just, you know, through my application in and was, um, I will say actually, gosh, I, I forget my own practice in that. <laughs> um, I, going back to LinkedIn, I actually came across the job on LinkedIn, sent a message to uh, that hiring manager as well, who became now a mentor of mine. Um, so it all goes back to really, um, you know, leveraging that network and not being afraid to, you know, send that first message because the last two jobs I had, they were strangers. So my senior manager and my previous manager, they were both strangers before I joined the organizations. And so you just never know what can happen shooting that, you know, cold text or cold message out. That's great advice. I was going to say before we wrap up, Nicole's going to ask this signature question, but I wanted to ask a quick question. You received a $10,000 scholarship from the foundation that of the fraternity, correct. which was the very first scholarship of that size. Talk to us a little bit about how that was transformative for you. Yeah, so I, I have to say that one made me really emotional. I remember Jessica was the one who had gave me that call and kind of, you know, on the theme of just, you know, putting yourself out there. I had just applied, honestly, not expecting anything. Um, I had received a scholarship before that I thought was amazing. And I was like, you know, I was like, there's there's no way. Um, and this time, you know, it was for my, my grad program. And I, I think at that time I was a, a year in. And if I'm being honest, I almost thought about pulling myself out of the grad program because I'm like, this is tough. And I was working full time. Mm -hmm still taking the, the the classes and it was just really tough and my background wasn't in data analytics originally and so it was all a lot and so applying um, you know to that scholarship and getting that call from Jessica was really the final push I needed to get through I'm even getting a little emotional Aww. talking about it because I still remember that call like where I was and I was just in such uh, disbelief but yeah. it helped really push me through my my graduate program and you know it's a stepping stone to what got me to where I am today at, at Southwest and I'm very happy just the way that everything 
panned out, but um, that scholarship was, was was huge and uh, still means a lot to me that it, it happened. That's awesome. Congratulations. You're very deserving, and thank you for continuing to be an advocate for the foundation. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good thing for listeners to hear the difference that it can make for Absolutely. people. Yeah. You're, you're an example of that. Whether you're receiving the scholarship or you would like to donate mm-hmm. to provide more transformative Absolutely. moments like that. Yep. Awesome. Well, so here on the Business Edge, we have a signature question that we ask all of our guests. So, Tyler, tell us about a time when your personal values were challenged. What happened and how did you handle it? Yeah, so I absolutely love that question and kind of want to give a a recent example. So I will say at Southwest, you know, oftentimes my personal values have not been challenged Mm -hmm. is is an organization where I felt I can bring my really true and authentic self. But where a recent struggle I've had, it comes in delivering feedback. Mm. And um, I believe I'm a big advocate for feedback. And early in my career, I used to just give it out like candy. I would give my peers feedback, my leaders feedback. And because of that, I learned that not everybody is always receptive. Not everybody always wants that feedback. Mm -hmm. And it has caused me to be a little cautious when when having to give that feedback at times. And so there was a situation that happened recently at work um, where it interfered with, you know, my workload as well as some of my other team's workload. And I was just thinking, I was like, I really need to, to, to say something, give, give feedback to my manager of, of how that had come off. And my manager's done a great job at really creating that safe space and environment, but it's because of my own past experiences that I kind of was almost holding back that that feedback, but I really sat in it and reflected that, you know, the fact that she did create this environment where I could deliver this feedback. So although I was nervous, um, you know, I knew it was kind of against my values to not give this feedback and it was killing me inside to not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that morning I had, had given her the feedback and she was extremely receptive to it, adapted, um, you know, made the change, kind of got, you know, what she was initially going to assign to me and a few others off of our plate and redistributed. And uh, that meant a lot. And I think what it learned and, and taught me, you know, it's almost my year at Southwest, but I'm like, okay, I, I really got to trust these, these people. Um, they've, they've done that for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so overcoming that, I, I now feel a lot more comfortable giving that feedback. Um, but it still is a challenge at times. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Because, yeah. you know, I think the other thing is you get older in your career, you realize we don't have to give feedback on everything. Yep. Right? It's, you know, kind of picking your battles, so to speak, yep. finding what's most mm-hmm. important and what's going to push the needle and return that ROI for everybody in terms of, you know, whatever you're looking for in the workplace. So Yeah, and it builds trust, too, because now she knows that you're always going to bring things to her attention mm-hmm. when they need to be brought and that and that you know, build your credibility too. So it's, yeah. yep. I know I struggle with that too. It's yeah. the hard, yeah. hard conversations are scary, but they do definitely pay off. Well, and that's a good point, Nicole, about trust too, because as a leader, you need your team to tell mm-hmm. you things. And so there's been times where I'm like, well, I made the assumption my team was going to tell me and they didn't, yep. you know, so it's, it's definitely important. Well, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for coming on and congratulations on everything you've achieved. And we look forward to watching you take off even further in your career. Yes, thank you so much, Tyler. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christy and Nicole. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the rest of the convention. Will do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Business Edge. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions for us, contact us at mail at businessedge.org.